think through Joseph and through his life, and we're rounding out towards the finish line here. Does anyone need a handout for the sermon tonight? And yes, it's another long one like Sunday mornings. That's why it's, wow, how many pages is tonight's? Five pages. And so sometimes you preach through a topic and there's a lot of verses that need to be thrown in there with it to help. Tonight, as we get towards the end, and we actually what we're seeing before our eyes is we're seeing Jacob's life is coming to an end. He's lived 147 years. That's quite a long time. And there have been good days. There have been hard days. And yet he's been blessed in his life. And before Jacob leaves this earth, he gathers his children around and he speaks to them one last time. These verses that we're going to look at tonight here in Genesis 49, Jacob addresses his sons in light of the future. He tells them what will come their way in the last days and reference some of it to the kingdom years of Israel. And there's so much there. And the details here that Jacob goes into to each of his sons as they stood around were so and amazingly accurate of what would take place. In fact, there are, this passage, Genesis 49, is a passage that many um, has been a favorite of many Bible critics. They can't believe that these words were uttered before the events were to t- taken place. And yet they're true and it happened. These prophecies are accurate, and it's a great illustration of how the Bible was given to us by inspiration of God, and how God's word is without error, and it's correct. As we look at this tonight, there are several things that we're going to see. As we look and we consider Jacob's sons, you could really divide his sons into three groups tonight. Some of the sons were disqualified, first we see. Some were disqualified. I think that's, there's a screen for that. Isn't there? It is. Our sound man's sleeping back there. Because of the sin, some of Jacob's sons were destined for judgment and not blessing. And those that were disqualified, we'll read about them later on, but Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Dan. We'll talk about Levi later and some other things that happened with him, which you'll see some things that happened there. Some were disqualified, some were distinguished. Judah, Zebulun, Issachar, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, and Benjamin. And then out of all of them, there was one that was different. And we know who that one was, it was Joseph. Joseph stood out among his brethren. He was singled out for a word of special blessing by his father. And you think about this, he was given two parts for his two sons a double portion now when we look at this why i bless why did jacob bless some why were some not blessed the firstborn was reuben why wasn't reuben blessed why did judah get such a good blessing as messed up as his life was and the things that he did. What happened? How did these things take place? I believe tonight that as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see what happens when we confront or deal with the sin that is in our life. 
I believe the message tonight as we get ready to close out our series probably next week, this, should, this is an area that each of us can benefit by listening to tonight. That can help each of us. We look at verse number 1. It says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together, and hear ye, sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. And we know that Jacob and Israel are the same person. And um, it says, verse number 3, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and my beginning of my strength the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. I think Reuben's thinking, all right, here it comes. Look at verse number four. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Because thou winnest up to thy father's bed, thou defile, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Look what it says about Simeon and Levi. Their instruments of cruelty are in, the, in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah... Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp for the prey, my son. Thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rouse him up. The scepter, look what it says here about Judah and his family line. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal with the vine and his ass's colt with the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. Father, we love you. We need you. We thank you for this passage tonight. We thank you for you being our God. And I pray tonight that as we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm so thankful for the fact that you have chosen to forgive us through Jesus Christ. That as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you removed our transgressions from us. I'm also thankful that you've chosen to blot it out and to forget it. But as we look at this passage tonight, I believe there are a lot of principles that we see on how we need to deal with sin in our own lives. What happens when we don't confess our sin and when we hide it? When we think no one else can see what's going on, you see it all. Your eyes are in every place. Pray that you'd bless the time that we have. I pray that you'd help us learn some lessons from these men tonight to help us with the things that we do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one, as we dive in, we see number one, a man who covered his sin. A man who covered his sin. We look at verse 3 and 4 again. We see the firstborn Reuben as mentioned. It says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and my beginning of my strength. 
the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou winnest up to thy father's bed, thou defile, then defilest thou it, he went up to my couch. And as we look here tonight, and as we start here, we see that letter A, we see that Jacob looked <clears throat> at his eldest son, and Reuben, and said he was unstable as water. It's quite a statement right there. And when we think about that unstable, the word unstable comes from the word boil. So it refers to a pot of boiling water in constant motion. When you get a pot really boiling and you see the water's constantly moving, there's not much stability to it. And so Jacob talks about Reuben here and he mentions these facts and he says that Jacob, as he, he said that he, Reuben was like water. It's an unstable compound. When it's poured out, it always seeks the lowest level. When it ex is ex exposed to the cold, water freezes. When it's exposed to heat, it boils. And eventually water can disappear and evaporate over time. And instead of being the leader of his brother and being the head of the family, what we see here is he was unstable and he was ever-changing. Reuben was very weak in the way that he led. Jacob told Reuben, letter B, that he would never excel. Think about that statement there. You're never going to excel. Your descendants, Reuben, are never going to rise up to preeminence or prominence in the future kingdom. And do you know what? They didn't. Going past knowing that Reuben's the firstborn, can you think of much about the tribe of Reuben going into all of Israel's history, can you think of a lot about them? Are there any prominent figures that come to your mind? You know, we could start going through some prominent figures. You know, you think about Saul, the first king. What tribe was he from? Benjamin. David, the tribe of Judah. Can you think of anybody from the tribe of Reuben? His, his seed did not excel. And why is this? What went place? And when you think about this, all of this is very true because, number one underneath this, when you think about the tribe of Reuben receives very little mention in the nation's history. Very little. And tonight, I don't think many of us could mention much about Reuben's tribe and what happened with them and where they went and what happened. Do you realize, secondly, that not a single judge, prophet, ruler, military leader, or any important person came out of the tribe of Reuben? Not one. And why? We see Jacob said, you're unstable as water and you will not excel because of this. And we're going to get into more details here in just a couple minutes. And Reuben oftentimes was found on the wrong side of conflicts. And you could look at Judges chapter number <clears throat> 5, verse 15 and 16. Reuben's family and his line, they were oftentimes on the wrong side of things. And so the tribe of Reuben never did excel in the kingdom of God. And that's what we see in the kingdom of Israel. And we see that before our eyes. And you say to yourself, well, why? Reuben's the firstborn. Reuben should have had the family blessing. Why is it that God and Jacob are so harsh when it comes to Reuben? The answer to why Reuben was dealt with the way he was dealt with is found in verse number 4. It says, because Thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defiled thou it, he went up to my couch. For 40 
years, 40 years before Reuben had committed this sin. Reuben thought no one had seen the sin. Reuben thought he got away with it and everything would be okay. He did not know that dad knew what took place. And dad was waiting for his son to confess what's happened. And it, we see here, he says, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed. And what Jacob's referring to is the sin that Reuben committed when he committed adultery with his father's wife, Bilhah, in Genesis 35, 22. And the Bible tells us that when that sin took place, Jacob knew that it happened. Jacob knew what his son had done. And there is no record from Genesis 35 through 49 where Reuben ever tried to get right or confess or reconciliate what happened at that time. It seems that this tragic sin was never dealt with in the life of Reuben. For 40 years, Jacob knew, never said a word to him about it, and he never confessed. He weighed on his son, but it never happened. Reuben never dealt with his sin. And when we look at that and uh, letter C, I'm getting ahead of myself on these things, sorry. I gave you all these blanks, you need your blanks, don't you? Why was such a harsh prophecy given to Reuben? And I gave you the answer to that already because I was jumping ahead of myself. But we see also the letter D that Reuben never dealt with his sin and it cost him greatly because he never dealt with it. And when we think about this, it cost Reuben. Think about this as he's there with all the brothers before his, dead, his dad's deathbed. Reuben... My might, my firstborn, you're unstable as water. You're never going to excel because of what you did and how you defiled my couch. Imagine all the brothers hearing this going on. He lost respect. He lost blessing. And I think that's ha happened because he never confessed his sin. You see, there is a great lesson for us as Christians here. And young people, I want you to pay attention as well. Mentioned, I mentioned it at school, and parents, I haven't really talked much about it, but some kid earlier this week or last week, whenever it was, they decided to take the flowers in the bathroom downstairs and to decorate it with toilet paper. You know, that's cute and funny. And I thought, whoever did it did a pretty good job. The problem is, I just wanted to know who did it. I said, no one would get in trouble. Just tell me who did it. And all 31 students, not one student has confessed that they did it. That worries me a little bit. If not getting in any trouble, you won't confess when you do. And we, you have to learn to confess sin. That's what we see the lesson tonight. And you say, well, well, pastor, it's bigger than this sin that Reuben did is bigger than the sin of decorating a flower with toilet paper. Somebody lied about it already. And is lying wrong no matter if it's a big lie or a little lie? All lying is wrong, correct? And that's why it's important that we learn not to cover our sin, to deal with our sin. I remember as a kid, I gave this story once or twice, and I'm going to give it my mom, growing up, she was a stickler for the walls of our house. You never, don't touch the walls. 
they and if your fingerprints were on there you know she would wash it off she didn't like fingerprints on the wall she was very particular about things well back in the day i don't know how kids 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 it's a lot harder on you today to get in trouble than it was in my day my mom used to have one of those phones that had one of those you know those cords on it she was stuck to the phone if someone called her so that was a great time for me and my younger brother to play football because mom's on the phone and she you know nowadays you, you try to do that with us, my cell phone's real close. I can see what's going on. It's a different day. Well, I was the Chargers, and my younger brother was the Patriots. He always liked the Patriots for some reason. I don't know why, but anyways. And uh, he still likes the Patriots, and I still hold that against him. But um, Super Bowl, Chargers and Patriots, fourth and one on the one-yard line. I need one yard to get to the end zone for the touchdown. I lunged on my bed for the touchdown. And my knee went through the wall. There was a hole this big in the wall. No stretching of the matter. <sighs> my first thought is, if I tell my mom I'm dead, I'm dead. So what did I do? I started thinking to myself, how can I cover this up? So what did I do? You know, a an 11-year-old boy, is his room ever super clean? Probably not. So what did I do? I cleaned the room that night. And I was able to turn my bed just perfectly to where the wall was, because the headboard covered up the wall perfectly, and you couldn't see it. I vacuumed the floor, cleaned under the bed. I even tucked in the sheets just the way my mom liked it. I made sure the drawers were just right. For seven months, she never noticed. Do you know, though, every time she went in my room, my heart just sunk. And I'm thinking, oh, no, she's going to see it. She's going to see it. So one day I got a great idea. My dad has spackle in the garage. I'll fill the hole. Say, how'd you do? I filled it. And it was even pretty flat. I was impressed. Still, someday, hey, kids, you want to see it? Someday I'll show you where it's at. You can see the where it's at. The one thing I didn't think about was the walls had semi-gloss paint, and that was flat paint, you know, or flat, you know, from the spackle. So one day my mom, mom walked into the room, and she saw it seven or eight months later. I got in pretty big trouble. But do you know why I got in the most trouble? Because of hiding it. If I would have gotten right and told her from the beginning. Would I have gotten in trouble? Sure. But do you know how long I agonized and worried every time she stepped foot in my room that she was going to see it? And what should have happened was when it happened, I should have went and told my mom right away is what I should have done. But I didn't. For seven months, I agonized over it, worried about it. And then I remember my mom's statement to me as well. If I can't trust you with something like that, and you're dishonest about that, what else are you lying to me about? God has a plan for us to deal with our sin. That plan is called confession. We need to confess our sins. Because you've got to understand something. This is one thing you've got to understand. My mom might have been in the family room and on the phone and somehow didn't hear it. She didn't see it, but eventually she found out. 
do you realize tonight there is nothing that you can do that God does not see? The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. You cannot hide from God. And I think Reuben thought in this passage he could hide. He hid it. No one saw it, but Dad did see it. He knew what happened. And just because um, Reuben tried to cover it up for all that time, it came out over time. And you got to understand something. That's why the Bible makes it clear God's plan for dealing with sin is confession. We need to deal with our sin and confess it to him. That's what the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible also tells us in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 28, verse 13. Uh, this is a great verse. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Hey, you know why Reuben wasn't going to excel? You knew why his family wasn't going to excel? Because he covered his sin, and you will not prosper when you cover sin. Look what the Bible says. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. That's what we need today. We need to confess to God. We need to bring it out. What are you hiding from God? Young people, what are you hiding from your parents? What are you hiding from your spouse tonight? No one's ever going to know. He already knows. Sin makes you stupid, okay? If you get nothing else, just remember that. Sin makes you stupid. Adam and Eve hid from God. You cannot hide from God. God sees it all. He knows. I love how that verse says, to be sure your sin will find you out. We see when it comes to Reuben, why didn't he get the blessing? Because he covered his sin. Let me ask you tonight, are you one who is covering sin in your life tonight? Or are you handling it God's way? God's way is not to cover it, it's to confess and get things right. Number two, we see that there were men who were controlled by their sin. Men who were controlled by their sin. We look at verse 5 through 7, and we look at Simeon and Levi here. The Bible says that Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O oh my soul, their secret and their assembly, mine honor, be not thou united. They slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce. And their wrath, for it was cruel, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Quite a statement there. You know, we think about Levi and we think about the, the priests and things, right? But did, Lev did the Levites get any inheritance in the land? No. You say, well, that's because God was there. Well, part of it was because of this as well. When we look here, we see letter A, that Jacob turns his attention to Simeon and Levi, and he accuses them of being filled with cruelty and violence. That's quite a statement made by Dad. He basically says that they acted, in, acted impulsively and recklessly, and they caused great damage by what they did. 
And these men, you say, well, what happened? We're going to go there in a minute. But you've got to also look at how did these men operate? What, how, why did they do what they did? The Bible makes it clear right here that they operate in anger and self-will. Anger and self-will are never good motivating factors to do anything. You're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble when you are led by anger and self-will. And they did as they pleased, and they didn't care about the consequences. Unlike Reuben, they never tried to hide their sin. They did what they did, and they didn't care who knew or what happened. Genesis 34 tells us what happened. I'm going to give you the short version of it. we got a lot of kids in the room and all that good stuff. But what happened was their sister, Dinah, was raped by a man named Shechem. In Genesis 34. After the rape, Shechem wanted to marry Dinah. So he had his father approach her family to arrange the marriage. And Simeon and Levi agreed to allow Shechem to marry their sister if he and all the men of their village were circumcised like they were. Simeon and Levi waited till the circumcision was three days later the point where those men would have been the sorest during that time, that's what the Bible says, and they went and they killed all of them. They attacked the villages and they killed every man in sight and they took all the livestock for themselves. Jacob rebuked his sons when they committed this sin, but if you look at the end of chapter 34, even verse 31, the sons never made it right. Nothing was done. And say, well, their sister was raped. I think the Bible makes it clear in the New Testament, too. We're not supposed to overcome evil with evil. We're supposed to overcome evil with good. And so they, were they ever planning to let their sister? No. They wanted to ruin those people. They were instruments of cruelty. They served themselves. Their anger, and they were looking out for themselves, that's how they operated. That's what the Bible tells us here. Well, we see as letter B that their sin cost them and their descendants greatly. We could look and we could see what happened to them through the years. And here's some things that happened to them. Number one, Simeon became the smallest tribe in Israel. The smallest tribe. The Bible talks about that in Numbers 26, 14. When Moses gave a blessing to Israel at the end of his days... Simeon's tribe was left out of the blessing. Keep on going here and we keep looking at these things. Simeon was forced to share territory with Judah during the kingdom years. There's quite a bit of things that happened. And by the time that um, number four, is that number four? No, but I'll give you this one. I didn't put this one in your notes. But by the time King Josiah reigned, the tribe of Simeon was numbered with Manasseh, Ephraim, and Naphtali. That's 2 Chronicles 34, 6. They were scattered throughout the land just like Dad said would happen. Also, we see number four, that Levi was also scattered. But there was some measure of repentance on the part of the Levites and the tribe of Levi. At a place called Baal Peor, Moses had faced a rebellion against the people of Israel. 
among them. And when Moses asked who is on the Lord's side, guess who came to Moses' side? The tribe of Levi did. That's in uh, Exodus 32, verse 36. And as a reward for being on the Lord's side there, they were made priests of the priestly tribe and were consecrated servants of the Lord. But you notice that in the kingdom, Levi had no inheritance in Israel. Instead, they were given 48 cities scattered throughout the nation. And six of those cities were the cities of refuge. And we can go into detail about that some other time. But do you see how what do you see how they were all spread out? The prophecy came through true. Because these men, once again, as we look here, their sin in their lives, and we see the fact they were controlled, their anger and their self will controlled them as they went forward. You see, they allowed their passions, their lust, their fleshly desires to control their lives. And as a result, they never achieved all they could have in the kingdom of Israel because of it. But you know, we look at it today, a lot of Christians live the same way. Many of us do. Whether it's the pursuit or the pleasure of sin, some lust, some desires that we have, maybe it's self-centeredness. There are a multitude of things that come into play when it comes into sin. You've got to understand something. You will never be what God wants you to be at letting your flesh run the show. The spirit and the flesh, we need to yield ourselves to the spirit of God. But when we get into our, our fleshly desires, the old man that lives in us, there are many times that we struggle just like Simeon and Levi here. And when we let the flesh do what it wants to do, we see the consequences of this. And, it's, and we see that around us. Do you realize our sin, not only, you look at Reuben or you look at Simeon and Levi, their sin did not only affect them, it affected their children and their children's children. And generations later, I wonder what sin we are letting go in our life that's going to mess up our kids or our grandkids. That's something to think about tonight. As we look at all these things, we get to number three and lastly tonight. We get to a man who confessed his sins. See, there's a great difference between Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. But can you imagine being Judah and being fourth in line right now? And dad has just gone through and said, Reuben, I know what you did. You're unstable as water. You're not going to excel. Simeon, Levi, you are instruments of cruelty. And you two did all these things. You were led by your anger and your self-will. And you're going to be scattered everywhere. Now, before we talk about Judah a lot, I want to talk about what he did and probably what he was thinking before Dad said anything here. You have it there in your notes. But as we get to Judah, he was probably shaking in his sandals. Those other brothers did some evil things, but I think if we were to measure it all out, I think Judah was worse 
than Reuben or Simeon Levi with all the things. Well, you say, well, what did Judah do? All right, let's just look at some of them. Genesis 37, 26, we see that Judah is the one who talks his brothers out of killing Joseph. And oh, that's he did good. No, let's sell him as a slave instead. He did real good, didn't he? In Genesis 37, verse 31 through 35, Judah was part of the lie that broke Jacob's heart. They told him that, remember, that Joseph had died and, you know, his, they took his coat and shredded it and put blood on it. Judah was behind a lot of that. In Genesis 38, Judah sought a wife and he married an unbeliever, someone he shouldn't have married. Let me put, a let me put another little thought. Let's help us out in the room. Those of you not married, let me give you a little bit of advice here. Don't date people that are not Christians. I think I've said it thousands of times and people still just don't get it. Don't be unequally yoked. And you say, oh, but they're so wonderful and I will change them. You can say that all you want. God has someone for you. Don't settle before God's time. But don't go in the wrong places looking for it, for it as well. If you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to find another Christian. And at that, I would suggest go with someone that's very close, you know, believing the same things you do. And we can go deeper down that line, but most of the time people don't listen to me on that anyways, but we'll leave that alone. Um, Judah, he raised two sons, Ir and Onan. They were both so evil that God killed them both. Think about that one right there. Judah also, and there's a lot more here, but was so controlled by his flesh, his wife died, and he sought a female companion in the bed of a woman he thought was a harlot and ended up being his uh, daughter-in-law. He committed incest with his daughter-in-law. She tricked him. But he was responsible for his actions. Judah was also very judgmental. Do you remember when someone told him that Tamar was pregnant? He was ready to kill her. And he's the guy that did it. But I will say something that just amazes me is Matthew 1, verse number 3, the line of Jesus. And Judah's begat Perez and Zerah of Tamar. It's amazing that a mess like that ends up in the line of Christ. This is how amazing our God is. He can take broken messes and fix them up. And thank God he can do that. Because we're all messes. We all are. And thank God. I love, I love reading through all those in the line of Christ. There's so many that sh have no business being there. Just like we have no business being children of God. And yet we get to be through Jesus Christ. It's quite a list of things here, isn't there? So what do you think? Judah standing there and dad has just went through Reuben. He's torn through Simeon and Levi. And now it's Judah's turn. Can you imagine what he was thinking was coming? But do you realize for Judah here, 
there are only blessings mentioned, hope, and promises mentioned. We see that letter A, there are only blessings, hope, and promises made to Judah. Let's look at a few of the great things that was promised. The first one is this. He'll be the object of praise among his brethren. In fact, Judah would lead the nation of Israel as they marched through the wilderness. Judah, number two, would be a conqueror. He'd be strong and courageous like a mighty lion. And Judah eventually became the largest of all the tribes. Number three, kings would come from his family line. David, Solomon were descendants of Judah. Number four, Shiloh or the Messiah, the great king. Jesus, what was the tribe of, the lion of the tribe of? Judah. Jesus came from this tribe. Well, how do you get a man so wicked and all the things that he did, how in the world does it come to the point to where he's getting the blessing? What else would happen? We see that Judah number five would be so prosperous that he would tie his donkey to the grapevines and allow them to eat grapes instead of grass because he would have so much to spare. Number six, he would be healthy and his people would prosper in the kingdom. The blessings and the prosperity of Judah would be, it's mind-boggling. What, what, you say, well, what happened? Why is it that Reuben got nothing and he was never going to excel? Why is it that Simeon and Levi, they were scattered all abroad? What was so different about Judah? Well, look in our text. Look at verse number 11. It says, right before our eyes in verse number 11, finding his coal with the vine and his ass's coal with the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. This is in reference to what Judah did in Genesis 44, verse 18 through 34, when he stood before Jacob and he confessed everything that he did. He brought his sin out in confession, and then they are not mentioned again. And that's how it works. We take our sin, we confess our sin, the Lord forgives us. Man, we look tonight at this passage here is, we got to be honest. Sometimes I think we look and even we talk and how could people do these things? We all fail God every single day. Sometimes minute by minute. And if we're lucky, maybe every hour. We all fail. We all fall short. We are never what we should be. We all sin. We need to confess our sin. What sin are you holding on to in your life that you haven't confessed? Now, I want you to understand something tonight. I've had people say, well, pastor, hasn't God forgiven me of all my sin? He has. Your past sin, your present sin, your future sin is forgiven. That's how amazing God is. He chooses to not remember blot them out but how is your fellowship with the Lord tonight you think about the prodigal son 
Many people have lots of different opinions about the prodigal son. I let them have all their opinions. They can have all the opinions they want. It was a son. I don't believe that it was an unsaved person. A son, I think, is a backslidden Christian. That's my opinion there. And if you don't want to agree with me, that's totally fine. The father never left. The son left. And when the son came to himself and realized and confessed, he was restored. There are many Christians tonight that have a lot of sin in their life that you think no one sees, you think your family doesn't see it, you think you can get away with it. Maybe it's what you see on your computer, maybe it's what you got on your phone. We can go down a list of lots of things tonight. You think no one sees it. God's already seen it and God knows. You cannot hide it from God. Young people, there might be things that you're doing in your life that you think that you're hiding from your parents. God will bring it to light. He does. I would confess that and get that right tonight. Because we see Reuben would not accept, and we don't even see, you know, I wonder. I wonder if Reuben would have gotten right with dad right then. What would have happened? Do you think there could have been some forgiveness? I think there could have been. But he didn't. He didn't. Simeon, he never got right. Levi to some extent did. Judah confessed. You see how God blessed those who confess? And yet, I think that verse, I want you to put that verse up one more time, Proverbs 28 for me. It was earlier in the message. I want you to look at this verse, Proverbs 28. <clears throat> verse number um, 13. Way towards the beginning. It's way up there, Joe. Almost got there? There it is. This verse is true. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What are you not confessing that you need to confess to God tonight? What are you letting your flesh run in your life like Simeon and Levi? We see the fact, and we can go back to the story. Remember when Judah, he's, he wants to kill Tamar for getting pregnant? He's like, well, whoever's things these are, that's the man. You're more righteous than I am, was his words. He admitted and he confessed. You can have mercy. You can excel. You can move forward for God. But you got to deal with your sin. The thing is, we all have sin that we got to deal with. How do you deal with sin? Let's deal with it correctly so that we can be blessed. God's not going to bless you if you're not your sin's not if you're covering it and you could be, that could go down so many different roads i just think back man if i was a, as an 11 year old boy would have just told my mom right away i was a mess for months i tormented myself for no reason that whole time you know did the did the spank you said did you get spanked yeah i got spanked yeah did it hurt it hurt for a little bit and i remembered it but you know the biggest lesson i learned was how dumb i was to go seven months without saying anything because God gives you a little access padding back there. You can handle a spanking here or there. You'll get through it. 
but dealing with all that turmoil inside because I didn't confess it, it's much easier to confess and do what's right. And God blesses that. And if we confess that he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all